0: Awesome, guys. I'm excited. Checked out the first one and very impressive. No doubt why I had so many downloads.
1: As somebody that has reached a financial pinnacle, and it's pretty well documented that you reached that 100 million mark, you actually ended up filing for bankruptcy. And then you're able to turn around and gain that financial success back. So I'd be very interested to learn from you during that journey, turning that setback into a comeback. some of those strategies and actionable steps were
0: yeah that's awesome you know it's so interesting i've never told anybody this but and they can look this up and verify it my senior quote is it doesn't matter if you have the lead as long as you have the heart to come from behind i don't think i've ever shared that with anyone that was my senior quote uh in high school and i think the idea of setbacks to comebacks really incorporates one thing that I see today that the setbacks are setups and carrying on and understanding that you cannot attach your emotions to an outcome. I had spent so many years wanting to be a millionaire to buy my mom a house and a car. So many years I was gonna be happy when I got married, when I had kids, when I lived in Rancho Santa Fe, when I bought a Ferrari, a boat, a motorhome, a plane, whatever it was, I was always attaching my emotions to an outcome. And my relationship uh, with money was one that money buys love and happiness and, you know, that giving to receive. And those were the the main areas that really have changed to make every setback, like you said, the happiest day or most enlightening day
1: was when I filed bankruptcy. It's because it's the biggest setback that I had to face. Your relationship with money is I'm sure well-formed from growing up in Akron, Ohio, wanting money and wanting more of those resources. Yeah, so so much of what we aim for when we start becoming young adults and adults is formed based on childhood scars, right? We had Randy Couture on one of the recent pods and he talks about his deadbeat dad motivated him well into his 40s, which is amazing because that's a childhood scar. So what part of having a lack of financial resources as a child in Akron, Ohio helped form some of your original ambition to chase financial success?
0: So for me, I lived in a world of not enough. I was a victim. I was with five siblings, four boys and one girl. My mom was a single mom who was a second grade teacher, packed our dinner in the station wagon and filled up turnstiles at the Lawson's, which is a convenience store with greeting cards um, just so we could eat. And what happened to me is that my mom was a big education empowerment person, second grade teacher, fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school, doctor, lawyer, or failure is all I heard. But yet I just wanted to be rich. And the reason I wanted to be rich is exactly what you're talking about, this scar. Only time I wasn't happy was when financial stresses or strains would happen, the card breakdown, the dishwasher, summer camp, we couldn't afford that. Or And I was a victim. Everything was happening to me in this world of not enough. And so I formulated... This objective that money bought happiness, that if I could have a million dollars, I remember at five years old, wanting a million dollars to buy my mom a house, a car and retire. Now that was 1973. A million dollars doesn't go that far. And when I made my first million, nine months out of law school, I was able to buy my mom a house and a car, but I wasn't able to retire. But that all got formulated as a child. And until my mid thirties, everything in my life reaffirmed that. Reaffirm that money buys happiness. I was a millionaire nine months out of law school. I went to the Silicon Valley. We sold my first business that I worked with, $3.4 billion in 95. With Microsoft and Samsung, I ran the really first smartphone division at 30 years old, married my dream girl, had a huge mansion. Everything that I did made me happy. But the problem was when I finally reached my outcome, I was empty, void, and I started to spiral and focus in on The wrong things and the wrong people and the wrong ideas.
1: So, David, we tend to have a magnetism of people that are after the same stuff. So, when you were chasing all this financial success, did you turn around and look to the left and right and see a bunch of other people chasing the same things? It
0: was really interesting because there was a layering of effect. So, I would surround myself, you know, I was so young with people that were older, that didn't have to work, that liked to play golf, go to strip clubs and party during the middle of the day. Uh, And so I surrounded myself with those types of people, and it has an accumulative effect. I teach a lot in the positive now over the last 15 years of what I call exponential growth, acceleration and aggregation. It's Einstein's rule of 72, compound interesting positive effect. Well, I was compound interesting enough, the negative effects of surrounding myself with the wrong people, the wrong ideas, uh, I surrounded myself with yes people. There's a great book that says, don't take yes for an answer. I was taking yes for an answer from the time I was 24 until the time I was 36. All I heard was yes, 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 yes. Meanwhile, I was being oversold, manipulated, lied to, cheated, et cetera. And I thought I was philanthropic because my relationship with money was, the more I gave, the more I would receive. But I later learned that that's just a trade and negotiation that isn't true. I've shifted that paradigm in my life. Hey David, how did you go about eliminating those negative relationships in the past? Well, I've created the great chain of feeding and this has really helped me even today. Um, I decided that if it feeds me, I would feed it, meaning a relationship. If it wasn't feeding me, then I in variance would fall away from it, allow it just to separate from me if it wasn't something that fed me. And then most importantly, If it bled me, then I would either constructively uh, stay away from it or even fire it. And so I actually had three friends that I had to fire from my life that I went to and told, hey, this isn't about you. This is about me. I don't like myself when I'm with you. I don't like what I do when I'm with you. And I'm not going to be able to be with you anymore. Please don't take offense. This is about me, not you. I love you and pray for your happiness, but I can't be around you.
1: Your circle is part of who you became when you ascended that first time to that pinnacle. When you lost it all and you had to file for bankruptcy and you had to, you know, kind of scatter and figure out how I'm going to get back or what I'm going to do next. Were you cognizant of you needed to change who you are? Or is it an external conversation of here are the steps I need to take to start climbing back?
0: Well, I had a great catalyst in my life. My wife was going to leave me. And you know, I tell a great story about how my wife uh, confronted me after going to the Grammy Awards with Little John when I lied to her. And the next day, when I woke up to steal her happiness by getting divorced, I found the jacket that my father had given me when I was thirty, telling me that money doesn't buy love. It was a jacket with no pockets that I couldn't be buried with anything that it would all be, you know, can't be the richest man in the cemetery, basically. And that jacket indicated that you know to me i was lost and my wife told me to take stock in who i was and what i and what i wanted to become and i will tell you if it wasn't for my wife and the fear of losing her god knows where i would be like she said if i didn't take stock in who i was i may have ended up dead but that very day i started to outline just core values at first uh, gratitude forgiveness accountability And I called it effective communication back then. I believe it's inspiration, but moving me from a world of just enough where everything was for me, where I gave to receive to this new world where I had faith with gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration, faith that I lived in a world of more than enough, that actually there's more than enough of everything for everyone. And no matter what, I could have faith that you know, I would live between limitlessness and infinity. And I started to live by these values. And over 15 years, they've aggregated exponentially grown and compound into a positive effect that allows me to have a mission of empowering over a billion people to be happy.
1: You had that catalyst for change with your wife, and then you had a trinket or something that reminded you of an idea from your father with the coat that, hey, you can't take stuff with you. You know, there's no pockets in the jacket. There's no such thing as a hearse with a trailer behind it. Same concept, right? Yeah. And then you built a compass rose, a set of guidelines of how you're going to navigate moving forward. What would you advise for somebody that doesn't have that compass rose?
0: So number one, you gotta understand the difference between motivation and inspiration. And so my dad's jacket and my wife motivated me. It got me up, got me back up, got me started, got me restarted, but it takes daily practices to inspire. And so number one, if you lack that motivation, that catalyst, the best thing you can do is go do something for somebody else. So you can actually manufacture the same effect that I had with the jacket and my wife by going and doing good deeds, by providing value to other people, service to other people, to just provide value of service to everyone by picking up trash or putting a cart back at a grocery store. But if you want to change and change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, the truth will set you free in the respect that giving, being unconditionally in love, light, and lessons by providing for others, that'll be the catalyst. Then I have five daily practices that will get you there, right? Motivation will get you up, get you back up, but inspiration will get you there. And these five daily practices that I've evolved over the last 15 years are guaranteed to make more money, help more people, and have more fun with your life.
1: Let's do it, man. Dive into them. Let's roll. <laughs> right I'm ready to do them, you them starting today. Then-
0: I was hoping, but funny you should ask. I'd love to talk about the five daily practices. Uh, The first one is an easy one, but it's one that people refuse to do. It's called taking inventory of your values. Every day, you should take inventory of your own personal values of what's valuable to you, your experiential values of what you want to experience you're giving values of how you provide service or value to others. And most importantly, believe it or not, you're receiving values. Most people don't ask or know what they want. Your what must precede your why. If you don't know your what, you'll never know your why. You'll be in search for your entire life. You need to know where and what you want. And in order to do so, you need to take inventory of your values. And most importantly, don't be afraid of being a hypocrite, right? We're changing, growing, accelerating. That means, that what you believed yesterday may not be true today. You don't know what you don't know. But don't be afraid of changing your mind and telling people you changed your mind. Don't be afraid of telling people that you don't agree with yourself from the past, that you've learned something, that you're not the same person and you don't believe the same things. Don't be afraid of being a hypocrite. The number two daily practice is ask. I know it sounds funny, but the two biggest lessons in my life I learned before I was three. Number one, to say thank you. I guarantee if you say thank you for 30 straight days before you go to bed. And when you wake up, your life will change, but also ask, remember when you were three, ask if you want it, ask, people are afraid to ask. And here's the question you need to ask in person on the phone via email and media, traditional and social media. You need to ask, do you know anyone that can help me? Everybody out there thinks everyone is a gatekeeper that you have to go over, around them, through them, oversell them, back end sell them, manipulate them, lie to them. You don't. You just simply need to know that everybody is a sponsor and a power sponsor of yours. Everybody's here to help you and you need to change your energy and perspective and ask people, do you know anyone that can help me? And either they can help you and they know someone or at least they would know someone. On average, everybody knows about 1, a thousand people today. It's not like when I was young and there'd only be a few people I could ask from a card game, a golf group, or a church group. Now the third thing in third daily practice is being a student. I call it the mathematical equation of luck. What you pay attention to, what you study and focus in on, and what you give your intention to, what you think, say, do, believe, and even the unconscious competencies of your personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions. If you aggregate attention plus intention, it equals the coincidences in your life. That's right, a mathematical equation of getting what you want. And we need to study in particular our calendars, what we have planned, what we don't have planned, our sleep, activity we get paid for, activity we don't get paid for. I don't believe in work and I don't believe in busy because I have a lens of productivity that tells me that I'm looking at everything about how much value I can provide And a lens of accessibility, meaning how accessible am I to others and how am I accessing what I want? And of course, a lens of gratitude that says pain is just an indicator, a turn signal, not a stop sign. It's just telling me I have a lesson to learn to get to a bigger, brighter, and better place or make my situation better. A turn signal that allows me to find the light, the love, and the lessons in what I'm doing. The fourth daily practice is do it now. Now, I'm not a big statistics guy, but The one statistic I love is 100% of all things you do now get done, and the difference between successful people, self-actualizing people, is they get stuff done. So ask yourself, can I do it now? If you can do it now, do it according to the values that you looked at at the beginning of the day, and if you can't do it now, use Roosevelt's matrix of importance and urgency in order to effectuate when to put it in your calendar to get it done. And then finally, most importantly, the biggest practice of my life is that I only spend moments and minutes in fear. I used to spend days, weeks, months, hours in fear. Now, I use a four-step process to practice ending fear. Number one, identify the fear. Primal fears, feed, flight, fight, or the other F word, or the secondary fears that have ruined my life, time, emotion, money, all wasted with the need to be right, the need to be offended, the need to be separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry. All of these needs of the ego are just creating interference, void, shortages, and obstacles from what I want. Number one, identify them. Two, simply stop. Don't go over it, under it, resist it, run in a different trajectory, accelerate through it. Just simply use the key and stop and then breathe through your nose, out through your mouth. Find your higher self, your center neutrality. Drop down to your higher self and then roll in the right trajectory. Know that when you're in the ego-based consciousness, which I lived for in years,
1: that your mind, your body, and soul are on fire. All you gotta do when you're on fire is stop, drop, and roll. You're the equivalent of somebody that not only knows exactly what they want, but they know the process to get there. Listeners, really pay attention to these these five daily practices that David just mentioned. Number one, do an inventory of your values. Number two, do not be scared to ask. Is there somebody out there that can help you? You will not find out if you do not ask. Number three, the math of luck. It's no coincidence that when you're stirring stuff up and you're doing things that you tend to be lucky. Number four, do it now. We talk about in our five steps to unlocking your potential. David, what you would absolutely love that pod that we did. Our fourth action step is taking the leap because so many people live in fear. They're scared of failure. They're scared of judgment and they don't take that leap. And then number five, David lays out a fear practice. I found this one the most interesting. Identify your fear. Just stop being scared of it by facing it head on and come up with some sort of recalibration or breathing exercise to prepare you to face that fear. When you were down at rock bottom planning your comeback, did you already have this self-awareness or is it something you developed along the way back up? Great
0: question, it definitely has developed. I started at a lower point with four basic values, gratitude, which gave me perspective, I was gonna live the rest of my life, finding the light, the love and the lessons and everything, looking for the superpowers in my wife, in my family, in my business. Forgiveness, now forgiveness has evolved a lot for me because at first, forgiveness was just peace, right? That was the center, the neutral state. But forgiveness actually has evolved in my studies to create certainty. Because I've learned that if I can learn to forgive the unforgivable, it's the only certainty that'll ever be in my life. And then three, accountability was so important. You know, what did I do to attract this to myself? And what am I supposed to learn from it? As a lawyer, I would confuse liability with accountability. A liability is just who's at fault or damages should be paid. Accountability is much bigger. What did I do and what lessons am I supposed to learn? And then finally, most importantly, living in the world of more than enough was inspirational and effective communication. No longer would I give to receive. I actually receive so I can give. I know that I have two things to communicate with, not only everything and everyone, but more importantly, that which holds everything. Meaning, you know, you can call it source, God, Jesus, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, Buddha. I don't care. But there's a great source of love, light, and lessons that we're always connected to. And I now use my free will to clear away the cobwebs and the interference and the void shortages and obstacles and allow things to happen. I implement three things: law of gravity that says that everything will come down to me, the law of Goya, which is get off your ass, make it happen. Nothing happens till you move. And then utilizing the law of Gloria to clear away the interference, the law of attraction now is put into place where what I want, what I vote for, what I pay attention to and give intention to is attracted or allowed into my life. And I believe in two universes, right? The currency, which is an object of energy called money. It's an object of energy you put into the flow to get what you want. And a second currency called faith, an object of energy that you put into the flow to get what you want. How do you blend currencies, meaning money with faith, and how do you utilize it with its maximum potential? In order for me, it's exponential in empowering a thousand people to empower a thousand people to empower a thousand people to be happy. A thousand times a thousand, a million, a million times a thousand, a billion. David, I absolutely love that.
1: Um, So you talked a lot about received to give, which is assuming why you are on elevator pitch. And I'm assuming this is why you do all your free training on Friday to empower a billion people. Can you
0: dive into your free training that you offer every Friday at 11 a.m.? Yeah, I've been doing it for over 20 years. So it got a lot cheaper and a lot bigger when I didn't have to buy lunch for everyone in the community every Friday uh, to teach lessons. But I've been training all types of training, pitch training, sales training, ego training, get you're not worthy. I'm going to do a- a mommy issue training in January. It's going to be awesome. I give exercises, guides, books for free. I have my podcast, The Playbook, as you mentioned earlier, you know, one of the top entrepreneurial podcasts that brings celebrities, athletes, entertainers, as well as replays my my trainings, which is awesome. It's seven days a week, over 600 episodes. We also have Elevator Pitch, which I'm the executive producer of. And now I have a brand new TV show called two-minute drill on Bloomberg TV and Amazon Prime Video, January 8th, we're launching 12 episodes and doing a second season in June to empower people on how to share a vision, how to make money, help people, and have fun. All of the things that I do, books, guides, exercises, training, coaching, anything I do is simply to find that 1,000 that I can plant those seeds so that they can farm
1: and plant seeds in another 1,000 for another 1,000. So, David, there's a very acute point that you had earlier in the, in the pod where you talked about understanding the difference between motivation and inspiration. And that's something that, you know, us as a team, we talk about often. Could you elaborate a little bit more for a listener that isn't familiar with the difference, what the difference between motivation and inspiration is?
0: Yeah, my education on this started with fear because I was a big proponent of fear motivates me and then other people would have different types of arguments or suggestions or opinions or perspective that you know fear can't motivate you and then i realized that's because there's a distinction motivation gets you up gets you back up it's the thing that can get you out of this atmosphere but it's a soul sucker fear is a soul sucker You can't withstand motivation 24 hours a day, but you can live an inspired in spirit life connected to and clearing the connection to the greatest source of love, light and lessons that exists, an unbelievable source of power. And so if you can clearly indicate that, hey, I need a little motivation right now because I'm not 100 percent, I'm feeling a little bit down. If you can learn and distinguish that, hey, I need to pick me up a get me up, etc., but To keep that momentum moving, we need to be in spirit, inspired, utilizing our free will to clear the interferences, the voids, the shortages, the ego out of our way to allow what we're already connected to, the light, the love, and the lessons, and the power at all times. So instead of attaching your emotions to the outcome that you'll be happy when, you are going to be happy enjoying the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit, pursuit of your own potential of what you want, not what other people want, not what you're missing, not what you don't want, but what you want.
1: So David, something we talk about our business operators with is motivation is external and it becomes inspiration when it touches your heart inspiration is in. That's why the word starts with the I-N, right? It is, it is inside of us. One of the pods that we're starting to roll out here in 2021 is Inspiring Cinema. Because a good movie, just like good content like this pod will do, it reaches inside of people and it literally touches their hearts. So now they're inspired. But to some people, it may have stayed as motivation. So we started a new pod called Inspiring Cinema, where we're gonna talk about movies that have successfully reached through that screen and touched people's hearts. One of the ones on our list is Jerry Maguire. You have a unique relationship to this film. You want to go ahead and share with the listeners what that is?
0: Yeah, sure. I ran a notable sports agency, maybe the most notable sports agency, Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. And Cameron Crowe followed us around, followed Lee around specifically for a long time to build that film. Jerry Maguire is a love story. It's not a sports. It's the the idea of it is actually how I run my sports business in the backdrop of sports at the biggest events, Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup. It's a backdrop in order to tell a story and teach lessons. And that love story and the lessons that are taught is why that is a definite film that will last for a long time, inspire millions and millions of people to come.
1: So David, when we do that episode, um, you have an open invite to come back and shed some light on Jerry Maguire and maybe even bring Lee in. Uh, Tom Cruise is going to be busy in the space station. So I don't think we're getting him for that episode. <laughs> well, we'll try uh, to get I, both. I,
0: That's really blow- let's, let's think big, guys.
1: I got to tell you, we're thinking as big as it gets. Our pod is about helping people elevate their wellness brick by brick. And it's people like you that you have this gift inside of you. It's just our goal to curate it and share it with more people. Really appreciate you coming on the pod today.
0: Thank you so much for allowing me to be one of the bricks on the well brick podcast. And it was exciting. I do these all the time, you guys are on it. This is going to be a huge podcast. I can tell.